Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil. This is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, we get to talk about everything in between. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, you know what to do. Like and subscribe, five-star review, yada, yada, yada. More importantly today, my incredible guest, I have Zane Kikoa Schwartzer, I think, right? Schweitzer. Schweitzer. Where did the A come from? You're combining uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, name there. Fine, I like it. Uh, You're a big dude, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Zane is an author, speaker, environmentalist. He has a foundation called the Supergroms. He is a 15-time world champion in the surf category we'll call it we'll get to dive a little deeper on that one he's a five-time master of the ocean two-time ultimate waterman zane how you doing today man doing great doing great it's a pleasure to be talking with you today michael and thanks for having me on the show pleasure is all mine shout out andrew and what he's doing over there at the othello group they're doing some great things and i appreciate him uh helping me get you on here zane very excited again you have so many different things to talk about your love of the beach, I'm sure, is a little bit higher than mine, but I really love the beach. Your love of the water is significantly higher than mine because I just kind of like looking at it. I don't actually like being in it. But there's a lot of stuff we could talk about here. But the first question, Zane, I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Oh, man, of course. Sport is my escape. You know, everybody talks about how sport can be an escape, but I truly don't know where I would be without sport in my life. You know, I've seen the ocean specifically as my playground, my uh, church, my place of refuge in many ways. And it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so I've always been high energy. I've always been getting into trouble when I get bored. And so having that ocean always there for me and and being able to just immerse myself in its uh power is is something that always makes me feel grounded and and also uh be a, have the ability to innovate and inspire a little bit pushing the things i love so much all the and all, and all those different categories of sport on the water yeah man i love that there's a couple things i want to dive deep into there um no pun intended of course i'm going to say that a lot it has nothing to do with <laughs> actual water though. um couple things i'm curious what are you escaping from like what it sounds like you're you're doing pretty well you're having a good time on land like what 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 exactly are you running i mean maybe not running away that's not the proper term but like what do you what are you escaping from yeah you know that's that's kind of what i was trying to to refer to is a lot of people mention you know their escape of something and for me it's it's my church my playground my place of refuge and you know i i don't always need an excuse to escape to my playground you know but i always end up feeling better when i leave uh, that environment and you know having an opportunity to connect with a natural environment like the mountains or the ocean or, or whatever it is around you uh, is special and I think any sport that's so tied into uh, its environment and the ever-changing conditions around it is, is unique you know um, I, I, when I was younger I played football when I, in elementary school and uh, I've always loved all kinds of sports but what's unique about surf sports and, and any sport on the ocean or in the wind is your course is constantly changing. There's, there's no other ball sport like that where your, your arena or your course, your, your competitive field is, is shifting and, and changing and, and constantly challenging you to adapt. And I think that's something that uh, for me is, is not necessarily an escape, but it's a good challenge to incorporate into my life. And in many ways it's, it's a teacher because there's so much lessons in sport on the ocean and in my lifestyle around the ocean that really relate to uh, life and sport. You know, I I was, I made a post on Instagram this morning uh, talking about uh, the, talking about that exactly, you know, and the ocean teaches you the appropriate time to fight and the appropriate time to surrender. And it's the always going to win, you know, so if you're choosing to fight against it at the wrong time, you're going to get humbled. And in life, oftentimes it's like that, too. You got to know when to fight and you got to know when to surrender. You got to know when to let go and just go with the flow. And, uh, you know, so in many ways, I get out of the water feeling more connected and and charged to my everyday tasks, my goals, my uh, training routine, of course, is surrounded around the ocean. But it's not just work for me. You know, I go also to, uh, you know, relax and, and de-stress. And, you know, sometimes I am going to the ocean for, for an escape. And, and you're very right. I, I live a very fortunate life and I'm grateful to have created a lifestyle around 
what I love. And, you know, oftentimes I have to kind of laugh and, and pinch myself, like, is this really my job, you know? And, um, but, you know, there is times where being a professional athlete, as I'm sure you know, talking to many, there's times where it gets overwhelming and it gets a little bit, you know, stressful in, in a different way, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, I was talking with my wife about this just yesterday, you know, the security of doing, and I don't want to say normal, but, you know, the security of just fitting in rhythm to the normal job and the normal routine and how it's in many ways less stressful. You don't have to think as much. You just do. You go, you follow the rules, you come back, you get in rhythm and it's robotic after a while. And, you know, when you run your own business or especially as an athlete, uh, you're constantly challenging yourself to expand, to grow, to innovate, to inspire and, and to be able to um, not just not just keep that momentum steady moving forward, but not lose momentum and burn out in that process, because there's often so much more losses than wins. And there's so much more, you know, times of let down in many ways than success when you're a competitor. Um, but you have to learn to live with that. And, and, and I think, once again, great life lesson. <laughs> no, man. And, and you said a lot there. And I'm excited to touch upon a couple of these points because I think, again, they, they tie in with business. They tie in with being an athlete. And, and you know, you said you said one thing uh, in the beginning, you know, the power of the ocean. Right. And as you said, like you, you, you get humbled, like the ocean lets you know when you win and the ocean lets you know wow. when you lose. You do not let the ocean know. Right. And that's that's very similar in business. As you said, there's a lot of lessons that you that you can learn and take over. I guess what are some of those lessons that you've learned either through business or through, you know, being in the ocean that you were then able to pull into other pieces of your life that have a- absolutely helped? And you kind of were able to make those connections one to one and say, wow, like this is what I learned here and I'm able to use this in other pieces of my life. There's so much many different lessons. And Michael, it's a it's a great question. And it's it's something I've had a, a lot of fun sharing these personal experiences uh, through my book beneath the surface and also more recently through my public speaking engagements around topics from each chapter of the book and a lot of it is is really around what you're asking and one of the greatest lessons of a waterman or a water woman and I think this can translate well to the life of a, a businessman or uh, it, it's the ability to be present in your environment and to truly read and and measure your risks, right? And in many ways, it's not necessarily about mastering your craft. It's about being in the right place at the right time. And being able to anticipate that is the true skill and and kind of a, a special thing when it comes to a professional ocean athlete, because you're not just mastering your craft. You have to consider the shifts of wind. You have to consider the changes of tide and current. You have to consider the uh, different timing between each wave, the lulls between each wave or when the ocean is calm. And so anticipation in chess in many ways is I like to relate it to as well. You know, when you play chess, you're considering your every move, but you also have to almost in many ways, if not with more effort, consider your opponent's move and and always kind of anticipate the next step and in surfing in ocean any ocean sport whether you're swimming whether you're going to the beach with your family whether you're uh, in a competition for a sport in water uh, I always remind myself to be present in that environment to take away as many elements as I can before I throw myself into it find a safe place to enter and exit You know, this is things that I like to call a risk assessment. And just this small practice is so relative in any activity we do in life. You know, you take that short moment to be present, to be mindful, to go through your checklist, you know, to weigh your risks so that you could, you know, gamble with them appropriately. You know, and and oftentimes I'm thinking about if the route of least resistance rather than uh, the closest distance or efficiency often overpowers strength and, and power, you know? And, and so you have to really consider, you know, taking that route of, of, le- of least uh, effort. 
And in many ways, uh, that's why you look at a good athlete in any sport, but especially in surfing. And you're like, wow, it just looks like they're just not even trying. It just looks so easy. How are they just, you know, they're not even paddling and they're getting right into that wave or, you, you know, and that's just repetition. That's, you know, being able to have your motor function subconscious and your conscious focused where it should be, which is anticipating your next move and timing and positioning. And oftentimes I think that's what separates, you know, a, a good businessman, a good leader, a good player to a great one. It's not just one that knows what they're doing and knows their place and knows where everyone else's place is, but they know how to deal with when shit hits the fan. They know how to react in times of panic. They knew, know how to, they, they simply know that with every action, there's a reaction. You know, and I think, uh, you know, I could keep going on, on that type of stuff, but keeping it simple is often, is often easier. <laughs> keeping it simple is often easier, but we don't like to be too easy on this show. Where's the, where's the fun in that? I want to make people think, I want to get people to learn. And, and you're, you're totally right. Like it's as a, as anybody, right? Like outside of business, outside of athlete, just as a person, it's, it's best to be efficient a hundred percent, but I'm curious, why do you think, right? Like what you're saying isn't it like, like, let's be honest, it's not rocket science to know what you're, you're supposed to do next is it, it should be inherent, right? As you were saying, though, the, the interesting part is not just knowing what you're supposed to do next. It's knowing what your opponent's supposed to do next. And then, as you said, the the ocean, what 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 are the, the surroundings? What are the elements that are doing next? Why do you think it's so difficult for people to get into that moment? Because you say these things yeah. and that's going to connect. But let's draw not all people. Let's draw a little mental picture for let's everyone. Let's do it. First time. Never, oh, never done that on the show. Let's take let's talk about the power of the ocean. Let's take two deep breaths. Now, with every second breath we breathe, that oxygen is generated from our oceans. That's powerful, right? Now, let's think of another sense of power in the ocean. Imagine swimming there with your family and looking behind you to the horizon and seeing a 50-foot wave cresting to the sky. You can't see the horizon anymore, and it's about to break right in front of you. Your legs get chilly and tingly. Your blood starts to rush to your important organs instinctually. Your mind starts to go into fight, flight, whatever it is, right? These are those critical moments that as a big wave surfer or a waterman or a water woman, we push ourselves closer to that edge of comfort so that our deepest instinctual drives can be pushed to the side and that we can actually be calm and be cool and let go in this time of most panic of, of fear something that could be terrifying literally you can't breathe underwater you're getting thrashed around you have all this weight mattering 50 feet i mean when we're surfing jaws in the winter the, the wave i won the the world championship for big biggest wave of the year uh, ridden for 2021, 22 season was measured at 52 feet. Um, I've wiped out on waves that big and it's, you know, oftentimes it passes for me almost like I try and let my subconscious take control in many ways, you know, and, and that's a part of a part of these sports, when you hear athletes say, I was, I was so in, in, I was so rhythm. I was so in flow. I was, I was super fluid out there. I just felt like I was flowing. It was slow motion. You hear athletes talk about that stuff. And it, it truly is a sensation that happens, you know, when you're being pushed and there's so much going on and you have repetition in that moment and you can actually trust your subconscious um your subconscious efforts more than your conscious ones because oftentimes our conscious efforts are ones that kind of put us in a safe place but might not really be where we want to be <laughs> we're trying to throw ourselves over the ledge of a 50-foot wave we're not putting ourselves in a safe place we're, we're warriors you know you got to put your head down you got to focus on breathing through your nose 
and 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 the whole time you're staying calm keeping the heart rate low you know and ready to get held down and i think that's something that's uh you know a lot of people who aren't familiar with the ocean sometimes you know could fear oh my god it sounds terrible i I appreciate breathing i don't want to hold my breath you know and um Anyway, I can get going. I'm, now I'm getting all stoked on big wave surfing. We got winter season ending right now. <laughs> Dude, we, got, we got a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited. This has been, you know, 15 minutes of fun so far for me. Hopefully you're having a good time too. Again, got Zane here with me talking about just about everything at this point. And, and I want to go back to a point that you just made, right? So it's, it's that subconscious. So almost, I guess if correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds kind of like muscle memory to me. That sounds like something that you've yes. done over and over again you know your body knows what you're supposed to do before your mind does yes how long does it take to get to that point in something like what you do or in in life too right like how long does it take for you personally or professionally or or people that you know people that you help to get to the point of actually being able to push aside their conscience and say you know what okay like i know again my conscience is supposed to keep me safe my conscience is saying hey man don't go on that 50 foot wave what are you doing but you know you're going to go, so it doesn't really matter. So just get all that negativity, get that fear out of the way. How long did it take you to be able to actually compartmentalize and say, "This is these, these thoughts are not helping me right now. Let's push them out of the way and just let my body take over and let that flow, let that, that muscle memory kick in? Well, first things that come to mind is trial and error. You know, you, you eventually start that to is, realize that's that some you, trial and error. <laughs> yeah. That's some trial and error. Right you're there. getting held underwater and you're fighting. You'd realize you're burning oxygen and it's not helping. You're still getting held down. And the smart thing to do is just relax, let go, minimize all efforts. Even, even mental thought burns oxygen, you know? So you have to cool your, your conscious mind, but also your physical actions. And, uh, so, I mean, trial and error is a huge one. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite books is Outliers. I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners have heard of it. It's a very popular book for sport. Uh, they say 10,000 hours is where you start to get repetitive and, and really subconscious with your motor function, not having to put as much effort into actually controlling the craft or the, the activity. And it just happens. And then you have time for other important things like, you know, reading the conditions around you, making those micro adjustments, you know? Um, and so, but re recently I've been, I've been thinking about this actually, because I've been taking on a new sport again, <laughs> you know, and it's, you have to always challenge yourself. And I believe that with, with every sport that comes my way that I have an opportunity to, to practice, it's going to train my mind and body and spirit in different ways. And hopefully that it will um, only come hand in hand for an action that I'm truly putting my focus in. And right now my focus is in big wave surfing and being on the big wave tour. And so everything I do is even right, you know, just being at home, doing work is focusing on breath, focusing on being fully functional with my breath, my full lung capacity. You know, and just that every day is going to help you for a breath hold. A lot of us breathe shallow throughout the day. But I tell you what, once you start holding your breath and feeling those urges of oxygen deprivation, you're going to appreciate a full breath of air. And um, so, you know, um, there's, there's so much uh, you could learn from picking up different things. You know, you hear, you hear that quote. I'm trying to think of the quote. I don't know the exact words, but a, a, a jack of many of trades is, is a master of none. But that's the most popular part of it. It's not the whole quote. You know, the, the, the I'm not probably slaughtering this, but, you know, a, ma a jack of m many trades is a master of none. Yet one that. Yet one that. Um, you got to look it up. Okay. <laughs> Homework for good, everybody out there. Look at yeah, that. I like that scene. I'm having a brain fart here, but <laughs> yeah, good. one that is, uh, you know, I don't know. Anyway, I think I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, you're doing great, man. And I think that's that's important, right? Like, just it's it's good to try other things, right? Like, I think that's kind of important. But understanding and and as you said, like 
that is so true. People breathe so, so, so shallow. Um, yeah. You know, I've practiced mindfulness and meditation every single day for the last like three years. And that's one thing I always focus on getting those super deep breaths in because that's what, dude, that's what you need. Like you need a lot of that oxygen. You need to let it get deep. You yeah. need to let it get through you and get going. Now I'm never going to be on a 50 foot wave unless something terrible has gone wrong. Um, so hopefully <laughs> I'll never need to use it in that situation. Unless you're on vacation with me, maybe we could push you, push your limits a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Hey, man. if you want to, all it takes is repetition. All it That's takes is putting the time in. All it takes is, you know, being able to slowly take on the, the, uh, those practice and those motor functions. And you're probably going to fail a lot in the beginning, but that trial and error and also, you know, just repetition will helps to make everything more comfortable. You know, what was once a place you never want to be in that's terrifying becomes a, a place you just attracted to and gravitate towards. You can't wait to get back. It sounds like uh, you're, you're much further into the, hey, maybe, you know what? If I ever find myself with you in Hawaii, I assume that's where you live, right? I think that's what the internet Ma told me. Maui, Hawaii, the island of Maui. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah, if I ever find myself there, I'll hit you up. And if you, if you <laughs> would, you'd be so kind to take my wife and I out. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. So I we'll think start the small ones. Yeah, that's fine too. <laughs> that's totally fine too. And so I, I'm kind of curious, right? You talk about that, that failure, that repetition. What is it? You seem to be, I guess, like you're almost attracted to that aspect of it. As you said, you're, you're always attracted to that yeah. challenge. You're finding something new. Mm -hmm. What is it about the challenge that you're always looking for, right? You, you're, you're, you're in the ocean, which we already talked about the power of the ocean, the ever changing nature. You're never going to see the same wave twice. Mm-hmm. What is it about that that thirst for just the challenge in, in life, right? You do so many other things outside of surfing. Where, where does that come from? And why do you believe that that's something that's really a part of you at this point? Well, I've always really looked up to my dad and all of his friends in our community. And my dad's a world champion windsurfer and a multifaceted athlete, uh, total badass in everything he picks up, you know. Um, great motocross rider, fisherman, surfer, windsurfer, and all of his friends that were coming in and out of the house at a young age for me were all the world's best watermen in all these different sports, whether it was Laird Hamilton for big wave surfing, Robbie Nash with windsurfing, and all these other big names. And I just wanted to be like them and keep up with them, you know. And, and I think, um, you know, having that in, positive influence around me definitely made me want to just kind of gravitate towards things that are challenging and things that are uncomfortable. You know, I, you, I look at my dad just on cloud nine going out to surf giant waves and watching him from a young kid. It was something I always knew I was going to do. You know, I, I never once thought it was going to be something scary uh, in many ways. Um, I just knew that I wanted to do that. And most people, when you talk about that, just think it's insane. And it's like, it's all perspective, right? And I think having that mentality from a young kid, I mean, my nickname growing up was Insane Zane and, you know, and <laughs> Zaniac the Maniac. And I think that was before I was even, you know, fully developed. And so I think I grew into that too, just wanting to always be up for something exciting, something challenging, the biggest wave, the longer jump the yeah, you know and um i think even though i have a focus in say big wave surfing currently and all of my training and, and mental and physical efforts are going towards that i still am picking up other things and i believe that this this question of how long does it take to become an expert at something and to have it just automatic without thinking about it. It also depends on your conscious output, right? If you think about something all damn day and you only get to do it, you know, for one, two hours a day, you're going to progress a hell of a lot quicker than the guy who's doing it three times, three hours a day, but not thinking about it at all. You know, I wake up my, I wake up my wife in the middle of the night, and she gets, and she's telling me, Zane, you're dreaming about hydrofoiling again. You're dreaming about, so you're laughing in your dreams, talking about big waves. And I'm like, damn, I'm training in my sleep too. You know, my conscious is still working. And that's just what happens when you are putting the hammer down at something from sun up till sundown. 
your conscious mind and the recovery of your body and your mind is is changing towards that activity and towards that conscious effort. And so, you know, there's there's sheer power and will and hours put into something, but there's also, I believe, spirit put into something and, and that that heart and conscious effort, you know, and it's always a balance. If there's anything surfing and ocean sports have taught me is is keeping balance. And, you know, there's there's always a balance of mental, physical and spiritual training when it comes to achieving a goal um, in, in a specific category. Yeah. And I mean, you were talking a little earlier about how, you know, you're focusing on big wave surfing every hour of the day by focusing on your breath. Right. It's not the actual act of doing it. It's everything that's around it that you could focus on just typing on your laptop, just driving in your car, all these things. If you're putting that mental energy into it, and as you said, actually focusing on the output that's coming Mm -hmm. from it, that is where you're going to gain even more than the next guy. Because yeah, Mm -hmm. he might be on the waves a little bit longer, but he's not focusing on all these things 100% of the time throughout the day, even apparently in his sleep. (laughs) Weirdo, huh? Hey, I mean, I don't know, man. You're doing pretty well. You're happy, right? That's the only thing I wish for people. I just want you to be happy. So who cares? If, uh, if success is happiness, I'm a winner for sure. There you go, man. Do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. That's one of my isn't favorite quotes. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Um, so a couple other things, obviously, I want to get to. Uh, Zane, this has been just absolutely fantastic so far. So 15-time world champion uh, of Oh, multiple... let me correct you there. 15-time yeah. world championship event winner. So I don't have 15 world championship titles, but I've won 15 world championship events. Like single that events. Sounds like the same thing to me <laughs> so like i've been corrected by this in the past that's why i feel the urge to correct yeah you know? please i you want to make sure i got my information right. the wrong thing in, on public live so um in surfing and a lot of ocean sports we have a world tour that is accumulation of multiple events that gives at the end of the year the world champion title oh, right? okay okay so when i say i've won 15 world championship events I've, I've won 15 single events. Okay. I do understand that accumulation of events, um, throughout the single year brought me the world championship tie. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. I appreciate it. I'm very that. proud of that. Thank you for mentioning it as you and, should, dude. I think that's incredible. The <laughs> thing, uh, you're also two time ultimate waterman. I don't know if those are single events or just in general, but the thing that got me when I, when I, when I received that little, uh, that little, that one cheater five time master of the ocean. Now, does the ocean know that you're its master? Because I don't think the ocean would be too happy. Hell about that, no, right? not be happy about that. I don't go. I don't go wearing that crown. I was gonna say you don't. We don't go in the ocean and say, "Hey, ocean, I'm your master right now." Uh, of course, funny, being a little facetious. Name for an event. For sure. I do think it's awesome. What is master? Because it just sounds incredible. It's off the cuff. It, it rolls is. off the tongue. It sounds it's amazing. One of my what favorite is, events what's, on my schedule. What's master of the ocean, and how have you done it five times? Yeah, the Master of the Ocean is a multi-sport competition between surfing, stand-up paddling, windsurfing, and kite surfing. So two wind sports and two surf sports. And every day you're competing in all four of these sports. And so in the morning, this, this this event takes place in Dominican Republic at a location where the trade winds blow very consistently. And so... Uh, it's unique in the sense that we could do four sports in one day at a location like this. Um, and so in the morning, we'll do the surf sports before the wind picks up, both stand-up paddle surfing and shortboard surfing. And then in the afternoon, as the wind picks up, we compete in kite surfing and wind surfing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting because with the wind sports, it's not just riding waves. It's three-dimensional in a sense. We're doing flips. We're doing jumps. We're spinning, you know, doing all these aerial maneuvers but yet also being judged and scored by how we ride the wave how critical the wave is the combination of maneuvers the uh versatility of the ride and the overall style so there's all this judging criteria that goes into uh winning a surf sport event or a wind sport event and in many ways it's not like hussein bolt you cross the line first you win in many ways it's uh it's it's there's so much that goes to play in it you know and uh that's often a great frustration but also what keeps people really attracted to it you know um 
you have uh, you have people that cater to the judging criteria of different events, and you're a smart competitor. Bravo if you could adapt your style to do so, you know, and some people can't. And that's why you hear the term, you know, a free athlete. We also have that in surfing. In surfing, you are you a free surfer or are you a professional competitive surfer? You know, people could still be successful in our sport and not compete. Um, and often it's the people who can't uh, necessarily handle that pressure of competition or not necessarily not handle it, but just don't want to waste their time and effort and stress for it. Right. Um, that's not really something that happens too much in basketball. We're like, oh, no, this is a great basketball player. He's like one of the best and he's not playing for a team. He's not playing in a competition. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny. That's a, that's a great analogy. I, I never would have thought about it like that. That's so true, though. Um, you know, playing for specifically the competition aspect of it. Well, either way, uh, that, that event sounds absolutely incredible. Right. Again, five time master of the ocean. Don't tell the ocean. But I am curious how how do you you know, we talked about 10,000 hours, right? Malcolm Gladwell outliers. That book's amazing. One of my favorites. Hands oh, yeah. down. Incredible book. Um, Malcolm Gladwell in general. Just a cool dude. Sounds like he's got a lot of fun stuff going on. How where do you. Where do you find the time for all of these things, right? Because that was four of the sports, right? And, and yeah, there's there's things that are interconnected. I'm sure certain aspects get pulled over between right to win to right, and then and then you're you know we're talking about how you're doing big wave now. You've won some events. You've done you rode the biggest wave of 2021, 22. If I'm not mistaken, you said earlier. Where do you find the time to learn? Not just learn, but become really really good at all of these. And I'm sure there's stuff you haven't told me about, right? Where do yeah. you find the time? to to do all these things and, and become good at them because most people would be grateful to be good at one thing i would be the happiest person on earth if i won one event in podcasting right like just one event give me one i'll be happy but no you're you're going out there winning 15 20 25 however many it is at this point where do you i don't want to say find the time because we all have to find the time but where do you find the drive where do you make find make yeah i completely agree I mean, you're in your sleep, right? You're working in your sleep. I think that's important. But how did you do all this, man? Because this is oh, actually it happens, incredible. It happens naturally in many ways as well. And my coaches have always hated it. Every coach I've ever had in my life has always told me, Zane, just surfboard surf. You'll be world champion. You have potential to be the best. Just put down the windsurfer for a little bit and focus on that. And I appreciate it. And I understand why. And yes, I bet for people listening and for aspiring athletes, do what you want to be best at every damn day. Do it as much as you can. Do it efficiently. Do it effectively. But don't let learning something else take you away from the opportunity it might have to synchronize with your focus, right? Um, now, imagine you're a basketball player and you have this magical uh, arena, a magical court that every day it changes to something different. One day it's a volleyball court. One day it's a basketball field or a baseball field. Another day it's a basketball court, you know, and what are you going to do? Are you going to spend one day out of seven training just because that's the only day that gives you basketball opportunity? Or are you going to stay busy or work your cardio, work your mental, work your competition in different aspect, right? And that's what I've always been attracted to in the ocean. Every single day is different. And every day there's an opportunity for a best day yet. Every day there's something great happening out there. You just got to know how to handle it. You got to know how to adapt with these ever-changing conditions. Yes, you have to commit the time and the effort and the resources to become confident and proficient with them to truly play with it and have fun with it and, and push yourself in it. But I think I, I give a lot of, I, not that I think, I know, I give a lot of credit to my fortunate position growing up in a place like Maui and a place with world champion watermen and water women surrounding me in my community, you know, and being surrounded by greats, you're, it's going to rub off on you. Um, as long as you are making an effort to surround yourself with them. Right. And I always just idolized all these athletes in my community. And I'd, I'd be hanging out with adults as a young teenager, way, I'd always, even to this day, I hang out with guys way older than me than I do my own age. Why? Because most kids my age are wasting their time partying and working all week, spending it in the bar. 
And I'd rather be hanging with the guy who's running a business, surfing every day, sun before sun up, you know, and learning from him, talking with him on the water, working with other competitors of mine, other teammates. And so that's how I've uh, had the opportunity to do that. Right. I've, my uncles and my aunties have had these different crafts and I'm, and, and don't get me wrong. Some people might be listening to this and be like, dude, I'm not rich. I can't afford a surfboard, a canoe, a windsurfer, a wing foil. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't have any of that stuff of my own when I was learning. I just sampled other people's stuff. <laughs> they were cool enough to let me try. Like, hey, well, uncle, I like sample. <laughs> Can I try your canoe? Can I go paddle? And they'll let me go paddle, you know? And, and you know, you, you, you just take on things little by little. And, and of course, I had a head start because my parents had me at the beach and in the water before I could even walk. You know, they had me on their surfboard and on their windsurfer before I could walk. And so this is something that I've always, before I even can recollect life, have been around and and maybe attracted to um but it doesn't mean that you can't have that same feeling that i feel right now just talking about it i'm like all psyched you know i'm getting excited wanting to i want i'm looking out to the ocean right now and the wind blowing through the pilot channel and i'm thinking after this podcast i'm fired up to go out there and throw some flips yeah. <laughs> we yeah. might not have big waves right now but we got strong wind there you go. Yeah. And as you said, you know, kind of be able to take advantage, you're, you're taking advantage of the situation, which is always something that's extremely important. And it sounds like you learn that from a lot smarter people than, you know, than, than you potentially could have if you just sat there by yourself, right? Be, My mom like, would be listening right now, really mad at me if I didn't say that's from her. Because okay. my mom has always been one to tell me about jumping through windows of opportunity. And the, oftentimes those windows of opportunity are limited and it, you can't stop to think about it for too long. Often, you know, she taught me in many ways to be a yes, man. I didn't know what that term was growing up. I do now. And now I'm learning to say no to some things, but as a young kid saying yes to all those different experiences and opportunities and jumping through those windows of opportunity, it, it, it allowed me to have a lot of different paths to follow. Right. It might not be season for surfing, but I could be staying busy and competing during the wind season and still feel fit, strong and in touch with the natural environment of the ocean when surf season starts again. You know, and so, the, yeah, didn't mean to interrupt you there, but my mom, no. she's, she's a national champion windsurfer herself. But um, when it comes to attitude and just heart of Aloha, she's fierce, man. And uh, she's definitely left that enthusiasm uh, with me for sure. I love that, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's important for people to understand, right? Like, are you just going to, well, what are you going to do? Sit at home on your hands or are you just going to take advantage of what the, as you said, the, 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 that nature is giving you, that the environment is saying like, hey, like, hey, you can't surf today, but if you want to go kite surfing, like here, this is a great day for kite surfing. Are you just going to yeah. be like, ah, oh, I guess I can't surf today or are you, as you're going to say, you're going to take advantage. You're going to get out there and you're going to do your thing. I think that's awesome, man. I think that's awesome. And one other thing I want to uh, just point out, you know, you're, you're learning from all these other people you're taking upon their wisdom. They've lived yeah. longer than you have. Right. Oh, yeah. um, and, and they've learned a lot and they can impart that mm -hmm. wisdom on you. One quote that I really love, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're spending a lot of time with a lot of smart people. You're most likely going to get a little bit smarter, right? That's just the way, you know, osmosis and those types of things work. And it sounds like you've been taking advantage of that for a long time. And now no shame to the people that are out at the bars having a good time. Heck Ooh, yeah. Love Have fun. I do that. Like, I mean, yeah, not too yeah, often. I do it too. All exactly. in balance. Exactly. All in balance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in balance. I think that's the important part. Um, Zane, this is, this is great, man. I still have so many things I want to ask you about. So I think we're going to have to kind of move on to a couple of the other Let's things but i talk so, too much Let's no, speed dude. Fire. no 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 no. i don't want to do that i don't want to i don't want to take up too much of your time because I, I i realized you're looking out at the ocean i was like he's probably looking at the ocean right now so that's what you've been doing so i want to get you out there but i do have some important questions because i think they're very important to you more than they are to anybody else that's why i want to get to them and and right so we're talking about how you have all these different things that you're doing in terms of on the in the water actual sports that you do maybe not in the water at all just just sports in general but you're also doing many other things, right? You're an author, you're a speaker, you're an environmentalist, you have a foundation, right?
right? So just all just one sport is a lot for you know most people. Now you're talking about four, five, six, seven sports. Now that's an insane amount for everybody else. And now you're talking about, well, you're also an entrepreneur. You have a business on the side. You're working with sponsors. You're doing all these other things. Where does this energy come from, man? And and like, I agree with you. You make your own time, but like, do you have like 26 hours in the day? Like, I, I'm curious. And where are you finding oh, these two extra sure. hours? Through trial and error, it's gotten easier. Um, I've always been one to take on too much. And if there's one emotion that's a negative that I uh, experience, it's being overwhelmed. And that's because I've taken on so much. But in many ways, I'm grateful I've put the hammer down for a decade to do so because now I have everything set and in place. You know, um, my, my parents, once again, were very influential in those decisions, you know, when it comes to uh, property management here in Hawaii, when it comes to starting our surf school, when it comes to starting our foundation, introducing kids to ocean conservation through sport. In many ways, those were reflections of my ohana, of my family, and the lessons they instilled, you know, on, on me through their actions, you know, and, and uh, so for them to guide me in the right way um, along my success through sport was critical, you know. Um, my parents were professional athletes. And so they also had trial and error and all their friends went through trial and error when they came across money and when they lost money. And so I think that was important is when I did have money, when I was winning contests, I, you know, I bought my own car when I was 15 from a modeling gig. You know, I, you know, bought my own house at, uh, how old was I? 23 i think and that was after a few big uh, competitive wins and if i wouldn't have known better i would have got another truck that was a little nicer a little more lifted a nicer sounds but you know my parents like hey you got that money you could you could afford this you know believe it or not take advantage of the system learn the system you know and that and then okay here's another thing to learn about you know <laughs> and so but you you learn to get to where you want to be. And once you, once you uh, have, have that house or whatever, then you can move on to the next thing. And, you know, and, um, and, and, and yeah, let's move on. I'm getting a carried away here. No, dude, you're doing great. That's why I love doing this. I, my favorite thing is to have a good conversation with someone who's extremely passionate about something and you're extremely passionate about a lot of things. So I'm enjoying every single second of this. I promise the, you that. The, I think the foundation though, one thing I'll leave with is that the, the insane supergroms started off as something that I would go to a competition as a teenager. Literally I'd be 15, 16 years old going to, a world tour in Asia and Europe and I would come with a backpack filled with coloring crayons and books and uh, board bags with extra surfboards and you know my my mom once again would encourage me hey when you get there make sure to you know give this to the other kids you know she would give me things to give to other kids and and I would also want to take kids out in the water and after 10 years of doing this you know it started off an unofficial foundation and unofficial not-for-profit and through covid with extra time i learned about that we have a official 501c3 now and uh our name is the kakukai supergrams and that really is uh, a, a reflection of my fortune you know i realize that i'm in a fortunate position to have had positive influence to have had access to these resources in this case different crafts and I want to give kids the same opportunity of mentorship that I had growing up, whether it's here in the islands of Hawaii Ne or whether it's abroad on my travels. And so it really charges me spiritually with that energy I need to do better in competition, knowing that what I'm doing is truly pono or balanced and righteous, you know, knowing that I'm not just following a route, a path of a selfish athlete or entrepreneur. Because it's easy to get caught up in your own shit sometimes, excuse mm -hmm. me, like, you know, and especially for an athlete, you know, if you're a family member of a professional athlete and you know, it's, it's a selfish lifestyle and the athlete, the profession, the professional makes that choice every day to put time to themselves, to their craft, 
to what it takes to be the best. And it often means time away from the family, time away from responsibilities. And so, you know, I want to be able to give that same opportunity to, to, to the kids on my travels. And it makes me feel right. It makes me feel more balanced when I am competing and when I am training. It's helping you. It's helping the environment, right? It's helping, you know, yep. fulfill, fulfill what you are clearly looking for is to help other people. You're helping the environment. You're, these kids are, are learning, right? There's so many good things about something like this. So kudos and congratulations on the, uh, the 501c3 status. That is absolutely fantastic. So is there anywhere, can we donate? Is there anywhere we can help out, send things in? Is there, is there a website I could check that out at? Yes, of course. You can uh, check out Kahaku Kahi and that's uh, um, K-A-H-A. Kaha, K-U-K-A-H-A, or sorry, um, Kukahi, K-U-K-A-H-I, Kukahi. All right, uh, I'll listen so, back to that, and I'll put the, the website in the show notes. How's that? Yeah, say? we'll include the link, Kaha Kukahi Foundation, and please check it out for sure. 100%. And the last thing I want to talk about, so you and I, we do have one thing in common outside of loving the beach. We're both authors, which is kind of which is kind of yeah. cool. Which is kind of cool. I had a little bit of time during the pandemic, so I wrote a book, which was a lot of fun. But I want to talk about your book here for for a couple minutes before we get out of here. Beneath the surface, it's a lot of the stories, a lot of the lessons that you learned. Well, nice, we got it. For anyone watching, we have it uh, right there. Very excited to grab my copy one of these days. I'm almost finished with the book I'm currently reading, so I'm going to need that soon. But Tell me about like where where does the idea to to write this book? I know you're you're, a, you're an avid journaler, right? So you've been writing many things down, I'm sure, for many many moons, and you're taking all these stories and these lessons. And at what point did you say, you know, I have I have something here that helps me, but again, I want to help other people. I want to put this information out into the world. It's no fun if it's just in my on my laptop or in my journal and next to my bedside table. Where was the idea to actually turn many of these stories and the things that you've learned along the way into a book and to put that out into the world? Uh, once again, it was a reflection of family values. Um, growing up as a young professional athlete, I was allowed by my family to um, do online schooling and pursue world tour at a very young age. You know, I was 14, 15 years old joining the junior world tour. And one of the things that stuck, that stuck with me since then, more than even sport or time on the water is journaling because I've journaled every day pretty much. And it's a practice that my grandmother gave me. She said, one day you'll be old like us and it'll be harder to recall your adventures. And so write down your experiences with the world and its people and they'll never be forgotten. And it was a simple practice that I never really thought too much of. I always had fun with it, writing down, you know, new languages I'm practicing in foreign countries, writing down experiences, what I learned in competition manifesting how I want to do in competition, you know, and so visualization is a big part of my journaling as well. And when my grandmother, Carolyn, was um, getting sick and she was on hospice at, at our home um, as a last family project together, you know, she made me promise to 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 share my experiences with the world. And together we went through all my journals and we started circling pages that were exciting and, you know, stories that we thought could be valuable to the reader. And um, so it was a really cool family project with my grandma, Carolyn. And, um, you know, it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the practice that my family left with me to have all those experiences already there in a sense, you know, um, I just had to recategorize it and shuffle it around and, and, and make it neat. And yes, that was hard. And it, it was a team effort through my auntie, my mom, my, my grandma, um, all the women in my family were very influential in the book. And they helped me uh, with that process, publishing it on my own, with Zaniac Publishing. And, um, you know, it's I never would have thought I'd be a published author. It's just another gift that my grandma left with me, you know. Um, and it's opened once again so many windows of opportunity and and and, and at that ones that are very rewarding you know to to hear from somebody that they read your book and that it inspired them to 
innovate there what they love most, you know, or, or to whatever. And it's uh, it's it's cool. And I definitely know that this book will um, hopefully be something my my kids and grandkids will maybe you know enjoy too. And so to know that it's forever there is pretty neat. It's also very overwhelming, and you know to know that all those spelling errors that are potentially there are there to live forever. Um, <laughs> but it's better that way, man. It, it's a hand. There's a lot of handwritten uh, stuff in here, actually. You know, um, here's me when I was three years old. As a young kid on my surfboard. Love it. Look at you, you man. Know, stories uh, that are handwritten. We just threw right into the book, printed. So, you know, you could see my handwriting as a young teenager and how bad it was. That's and- awesome. <laughs> but that, that that brings out so much more character, right? They're just not words printed on a page. That That is your, your feelings at that time written down right and i think that's incredible and you know hearing you talk about this it first off the project is amazing the 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 reason behind the project is even cooler and and obviously the connection you can hear in your voice to you know what your grandmother left with you and and that this last opportunity is very clearly very very important to you which i think is awesome right you're i i I like those feelings right it's nice to feel human right it's not it's nice to actually remember some of those things whether you know happy sad whatever they are but just the opportunity that your grandmother was vulnerability is freaking challenging man absolutely that was was one of the hardest parts about this book like that as well yeah just being open enough to share things that most people and myself even really overthunk like man am i really gonna put this out there people gonna tease me about it you know it's like come on like am i really that soft but yeah that's me sometimes you know and i'm also this freaking hard you know you could you could see it here and and so uh, vulnerability is was one of the hardest parts, regardless of, you know, traveling eight to 10 months out of the year. Um, during that time, you know, uh, the the few years that until the book was finished, it was, it was actually pretty short. I think it was about a year, a little over a year. And during that time, you know, I was home and for a few days out of the month and gone most of the month and writing late at night before competition, you know, and competing. And then on the airplane home, just writing the whole time, typing. And so regardless of the time spent, I'd say more challenging is that vulnerability and continues to be that vulnerability. It's there forever, Mm -hmm. you know, but in many ways, I just could let it go, let it live and be proud of the, 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 my family values and experiences, our culture here in the islands that is available to the reader. And, um, yeah, it's fun. I, I can't wait to check out your book too, Michael. Thank you. I'll make sure to send you one, dude. That's, that's, yeah. uh, that's an easy one. Um, no, I think it's, it's important, right? Because you're putting all those stories out there and yeah, the vulnerability is there for you, but I'm sure. And, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that the feedback that you've gotten, that what you have heard from people who have read the book to the, the, the impact that you've had on others significantly outweighs whatever vulnerability that you were feeling when you put it out or you are currently still feeling. Am I, am I right to say something like that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I, so. it's, it's relative. Everyone, everyone has those moments. And when, when, you know, someone could see, Oh wow, they feel that too. They feel more connected with them. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. I think that's so important. And I know we're, 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 we're kind of, I mean, we're not over time because you didn't give me a hard stop. So I have one last question. Oh, I got, I, I'm honored to be a part of this and talk Buddy. with your viewers, you guys. You're, Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. You are the master of the ocean. I am extremely grateful that you're here for me. That's one <laughs> thing I will say. The last thing I do want to talk about a little bit. And again, you have so many different things that you're working on professionally, personally, um, philanthropic outputs that you're doing. You have a number of sponsors, some of which are very well-known companies, right? I saw Maui Jim on your website. Like, who doesn't love a nice pair of Maui Jim sunglasses, oh, yeah. right? Um, how do you how do you come about these partnerships? How do you find the partners that I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people that reached out is like, dude, you promote our product, we'll give you money. It's like, okay, that's cool, but like you clearly don't know me that well because the money is obviously <laughs> necessary, but that's not why I do this. So, how do you go about finding those partners that not only think that you're great and that you'd be you you think that they're great but can align with more things such as you know helping the environment such as helping your foundation such as sharing stories family values where how do you find these partners and how do you create these partnerships that push both of you forward in the way 
that that you know you're looking to go well once again i think it's about balance you know you're always going to have someone dangling a carrot in front of you for the right or wrong reasons and you have to weigh it out and to ask yourself is it worth it and i think for me i always live by the motto of you know my success is is only going to help me to build this platform and you know at at the end of the day you know <sighs> excuse me you know at then at the end of the day when we when we start to think about you know success and what what it is an accumulation of i think that you know we we have to be proud of, of what we've, what we've done, right? We have to be proud of what we've done. Right. But when I really look at success, I want to know that it's uplifted my community and environment, you know? And so if I'm going to work with a company and a partner, I want to know and balance out how, what are they doing to uplift their community, our community and our environment? And I think that's the main question I ask. You know, like you hear, is the ethos in synchrony? Is the is the ethos in sync? Are we do we have similar ethos? You know, and and that's uh that's definitely a term that uh, is more direct to that. You know, but when I think of um, my success and my daily footprint and my every action that definitely has a reaction with everything around me, is it toppling over? and creating a negative effect for my community environment, you know, or is it truly uplifting my environment and community? And so, you know, working with uh, companies that not only are very, I'm very grateful for their support for a great product and for support to help me keep this lifestyle and my dreams alive. And this relentless pursuit of, of dreams is not stopping. So, I definitely look for companies that I could work with long term and, and share value with as well. You know, I, I like to know that I'm not just putting a sticker and a logo on something, that I'm a part of something, that I'm a part of, you know, its growth, that I'm of value to this team, you know. And so I've made choices in the past to work with people that are offering less money or that are, you know, um, simply for the reason that they have better uh, they have better cause and effect for the environment and the community and also maybe i can have more of an influence on the company you know i, I really want to be a part of something and share that value and know that i'm not just taking right and so you know companies um like starboard my main sponsor since i was 13 years old 12 years old uh, they really helped me to further secure this mindset because th they're not only my first sp sponsor, but they're the largest production board company in the world. And so their footprint is huge on, on an industry that is toxic. You know, when we talk about surfboards, it's made of styrofoam and all these chemical resins. They're not good for the workers. They're not good for the environment. Sven Rasmussen, the owner of Starboard, felt this guilt from starting the world's largest production board company. And he made a change aside from all the bit, how busy he was running this business and multiple others and how much resources it was going to commit to and take. He made the commitment to create a business that is uplifting the environment, right? And the community and how, how did he do that? It was a long process, but to this day, I'm proud to say that I'm 25 times ocean positive. And that's from work that Sven has inspired. Um, he calculates every teammate, including myself, every employee, and the entire business's footprint by energy consumption, miles traveled, etc. And we plant X amount of mangrove trees in the country of Myanmar, one of the greatest, most secure um, restoration areas in the world. Uh, especially for mangroves, which is the leading uh, tree for carbon sequestration, meaning it sucks uh, CO2 out of the atmosphere and ocean. 
Um, so one mangrove equals one ton of CO2 sequestered from our environment, removed from our environment. And so in a sense, we've planted a lot of mangrove trees <laughs> in my name, in Starboard's name, in all the athletes' name. And, you know, that's just, uh, you know, a small thing. You know, with every product sold, whether it's my pro model board that I helped to design, we plant a mangrove tree. And we also remove one kilogram of plastic from the ocean and from the beaches. And so, you know, just those little things, like I'm proud to be, to tell people, Hey, buy this, this board, not only is it something that I built, but it's something that we went out of our way to find an alternative material that, that outperforms, that's more durable, but also healthy for the worker and healthy for the environment, or should I say much better for the worker and the environment? right? We're using bio glass. We're using blue carbon. We're using uh, recycled end grain balsa instead of materials like plastic, PVC, and single purpose non-compostable resins. And so, you know, that makes me more proud to be a part of this company, to, to fight for a good result, to, to sell my boards, you know? Um, and I've also reflected that in my own businesses and my own lifestyle as well, you know, making sure that you know, we can uh, take ownership and be truly accountable for our footprint, you know, and I, I don't want to say footprint literally like carbon footprint, but, but yeah, that as well. Yeah. I think <laughs> you say these are little things, but these sound like pretty big things, right? And, and maybe one at a time is on a smaller scale. But when you add all these things up together, as you said, you've planted a lot of mangrove trees, which means you've mm -hmm. taken a lot of tons of carbon out of the out of the the ocean out of the environment which is you know obviously a necessity at this point so i think that's absolutely incredible man and i'm very grateful for that story just by itself because it really does show how athletes have you know they're they're the original i hate the word but the original influencers right you're the mm -hmm. first people that can really influence actually influence other people to do things and not only are you influencing people you're influencing the companies you're influencing the, the people industry. of the community the, entire, the industry exactly industry. to make yeah. things better not for yourself not yeah. for the company not for the bottom line but for literally everyone as a whole which i think is just extremely fantastic and it really speaks to this entire hour-long conversation we've had on who you are and what you're trying to do and, and how you're succeeding in so many different things in so many different ways thank you michael and I, I get chicken skin here in that compliment because it really is one of the things i'm most proud of you know um being able to reflect our actions upon our entire industry, our entire global community. You know, since we started that initiative with Starboard, with the EcoBoard project and Sustained Surf, now almost every single world champion in surfing, windsurfing, hydrofoiling, kite surfing are riding certified EcoBoards with materials that we discovered at Starboard, that we went out of our way to experiment with, to test. To, to find, you know, and in many ways you think of coming full circle. If there's one last thing I could leave with everybody, right? It's my, my grand, I, we didn't talk about this, but it's another thing. My grandfather invented windsurfing. He was the creator of windsurfing. Invented. He invented windsurfing. He was the first person to put a sail on a board and create a sport out of it, brought it to the Olympics, started the first magazines. So when he was making windsurfing, the board started off as wood. And then eventually his college friend uh, actually started Clark Foam. Um, Clark Foam, so these two buddies really revolutionized the world of water sports as we know it. Clark Foam is the, start, uh, is the material that replaced wood. So that's when surfboards, windsurfboards went from wood to a light material that allows for innovation, performance, maneuverability, was light, still durable, etc. But it's toxic, terribly toxic. That material has been the same for decades. It hasn't changed. That process, which started in the 70s, you know, like 60s, it hasn't changed. The shapes, the designs have changed. But, you know, you hear why, why uh, reinvent the wheel if it works, right? Well, we took that risk to do so. And it worked. It worked better. And now not only is it something that's better for our environment, and but 
professionals know it to be better, right? And so I'm super proud to do that. And I think for everyone out there, whatever you're doing in your life and your business, know that, you know, every action has a reaction, you know, and in your work, no matter what it is, it can change the attitude of your office. It could change the attitude of your, your business, your community, and keep that conscious, keep that conscious clear, keep that attitude of gratitude, you know, and uh, uplift your community environment along the way. And I'm super stoked to talk with you guys today and and hope that there's another chance for you guys to learn more about me, whether it's through the book or through my social media. I'm pretty active on Instagram and Facebook. Let us know all that. Let us know the website, the social medias, give us all that stuff. Yeah. Zaniac one, like maniac, but with the Z Zaniac one is my Instagram. Um, post pretty much daily on there. Uh, Facebook, Zane K. Koa Schweitzer, same as my name on the screen here. And uh, as well, um, trying to get active on TikTok, keeping my YouTube alive. I put you YouTube go. videos up for sure, at least quarterly. Um, some good bangers in there if you want to see some nice action. And uh, yeah, man, also one, uh, one last invitation to my life and, and the insane world of mine is uh, to come have fun with us here on Maui. My family and I run Maui Sports Adventures where we do private uh, lessons and charters in the ocean. We could get you guys surfing, stand-up paddling, hydrofoiling, big wave surfing. <laughs> yeah, I promise so, you, if I come, when, when I come out there, <laughs> I'm going to hit you up and I cannot wait. Michael, I know it because I share the same invitation on my travels around the world. And guess what? Eventually... They come knocking. Hey, remember that one time in Italy you invited me to come stay your house? Well, we're here. <laughs> oh, that's. I'm gonna show up with my copy of the book too. I'm gonna get you to sign it. How's that sound? Yeah, that'd be great. I'll do the same. I'll do the same for you too. Send me your address. We'll get you a signed copy over. Love it, brother. I appreciate that, Zane. This has been absolutely incredible. Um, very thought provoking. Very passionate. Again, my favorite thing is to listen to people who are passionate about something. That's literally why I started this podcast, and uh, this is the exact reason why I love doing it. So, sincerely, sincerely appreciate. It. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everyone's time that is listening. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So, I really do appreciate you giving me some of yours, man, and everyone out there listening. One more time, Zane Kikoa Schweitzer. I got the name right this time, I'm pretty sure. Make sure I'll have all the links, all the show notes. Everything is going to be in the show notes on YouTube, on the podcast. So make sure to check everything out there. But other than that, I really appreciate everybody. Thank you. Right on. Aloha.